Looking for the best place to buy tickets for any of your favorite teams or sporting events? We've got the spot. Our partner, StubHub, has been the leading ticket marketplace in the world for over 20 years, providing a 100% guarantee with every order. From a worldwide selection of live events, the widest choice of tickets and industry-leading partnerships, StubHub has what you need to purchase with confidence. StubHub, an official partner of The Athletic. Hi folks, this is Max Olson. We recorded this Big 12 season preview before the news of Colorado's Board of Regents meeting broke on Wednesday. It looks like Colorado is preparing to leave the Pac-12 and return to the Big 12 with a special board meeting scheduled for Thursday afternoon. We didn't dig into any Colorado or Big 12 expansion rumors in today's podcast, but I did want to mention this news off the top before we jump in. Be sure to subscribe to Until Saturday, so if we do record an emergency Colorado episode, you'll be notified as soon as it publishes. With that, here's today's episode with Sam, David, and myself. Today, we are talking Big 12. We're going to preview the one-of-a-kind season on tap for this league. We'll do some over-under win totals for all the teams in the league. We'll make some predictions for the season. Lots of good stuff to talk about just coming off media days where I saw you, Max, uh, you and I were there in Arlington at AT&T Stadium for Big 12 media days, and then you took a flight somewhere to disappear off the grid. So are you refreshed and ready for college football season, Max? I am. We had a we had a weekend in the Ozarks, uh, had not been there before. Um, we'll not be drinking for a long time due to the weekend in the Ozarks. <laughs> yeah, we're going to... We got that. We, we got plenty of that going. Max, yeah. where did you go? Lake of the Ozarks? That's right. I have driven what? through Lake of the Ozarks many times, left a debit card at a restaurant there on the way to college. Uh, that's just how you get from uh, from Arkansas to Mizzou in my book. <laughs> did some did some boating, did some golfing. I don't play golf, so that was an adventure. <laughs> Probably could get a whole podcast out of that. But, you know, let's let's stick to the Big 12 today. Yeah. Uh, David, you 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 have covered this conference quite a bit, too. Are you glad to be joining us to talk some it's Big 12? It's good to be back. It's been too long since I've had a chance to talk about some Big 12. Uh, I moved away from Texas in 2018 to move into the SEC footprint, and then the SEC footprint came back and took over Dallas anyway. Uh, but no, it's been great uh, to, to get back in the mix and and see some old people and make Iowa State fans mad at me again. So, loving it. <laughs> <laughs> Gotta love the folks and names. Well, let's get into it. This We got one year to do it this way with 14 teams. You've got the two teams that are about to head out, Texas and Oklahoma, going for one last ride. You've got the four new teams coming in, BYU, Cincinnati, UCF, and Houston. And, of course, the eight continuing members are all still here. So let, let's talk some ball in, in an off season where realignment discussion has been at the forefront and whether or not the Big 12 is going to add anybody. I'm curious from an on-field standpoint, what excites you guys most about this season? David, I'll start with you. I just want to see some of these interesting games. You know, people going to Cincinnati, people going to Lavelle Edwards Stadium, people going to the Bounce House and, and in Houston. Um, they have really good facilities and just interesting matchups that we haven't seen um, a lot of. It's it's going to be a weird league. Um, and then I think secondarily, uh, Texas and Oklahoma, every time they go on the road, 
Good luck, fellas. <laughs> <laughs> Max, you were with me at uh, Media Days. Uh, I'm curious what some of your impressions were and and what are you fired up about this year in the Big 12? Man, honestly, it was a little bit overwhelming. I mean, I may, this is normal for SEC folks and stuff, but just to have that many um, you know teams and players at, at Media Days this year with the 14, you know, the one year of the 14 teams, um, it, it was pretty cool, though. I mean, you could tell these are four schools that are – like seriously stoked to be in the big 12 that they see this as like a very aspirational thing that they've been aiming for, for a long time. And so, um, you know, I, I think that it's probably going to take those four a little bit of time to, to play a little bit of catch up here. I mean, they're not going to be full share members for a few years in terms of revenue and stuff like that. It's gonna be a process in terms of recruiting and program building and all that to build a contender. But look, I mean, we've seen, TCU, we've seen Utah, like we've seen programs, uh, you know, win at the highest level uh, when they've had the opportunity to move up to these leagues. And, you know, frankly, starting in 2024, when Texas and Oklahoma are gone, those schools have a, a chance to, to be, you know, real contenders on an annual basis if they have some stability. So I think that's a lot of fun. And honestly, guys, I'm, I'm sure you had this problem, too. As I go through the list one to 14, it's a hard year to rank the Big 12. I mean, in the past... <laughs> You you would kind of slot Kansas in at ten and then build up from there. I don't think that's the case anymore, obviously. And you know, we had last year was a perfect example of like the teams that we thought would be really good. Some of them had down years, and then you've got um, two surprise teams basically in the Big Twelve Championship game. This year feels pretty similar in terms of uh, it's it's hard to say today. Um, there's two teams that are just absolute locks to to make it to Arlington. Yeah, and when you look back, since the Big 12 championship game has been reinstituted back in 2017, seven of the 10 teams in the league have played for the title. So I think that speaks to kind of the parity of the conference and the depth of the conference. Uh, good old friend Spencer Hall put it, uh, the Big 12 remains the longest continuously sustained bar fight in college football, which I think is an, <laughs> an apt description of uh, what it is. And I think even more so this year with all these members in but let's let's start with the the two last riders texas and ou last time in the conference texas we talked about the preseason poll they are pick number one the first time since the big 12 has been without divisions that the longhorns are the favorite uh max i'll start with you what do you think it, about their potential of making it to the championship game and and how justified these expectations are for the longhorns yeah, I I think that it's not. I mean, part of it is you you go through the rest of the list and and there's not, you know, I think TCU lost a lot off of the team that you know reached the national championship game last year. K State lost some big names off that squad, so you kind of get part of it is voters having a little bit of confusion over over who to go with here. And I think Texas just on paper they're the team that you go through it. They got fourteen or fifteen starters returning. You've got the quarterback. You've got one of the best receivers in the country. Um, you've got a, a young offensive line last year um, that now is is pretty impressive looking and, and really got better over the course of the season. And you saw defense take a big step uh, under PK in year two. So it, it kind of makes sense. I think the expectations are are fair that uh, Texas should should be number one just on paper. And uh, the expectations should be, you know, I think you set the, the Alabama game aside because obviously it's a tough test going into Tuscaloosa. But Shoot, I think I think any game they lose in the Big Twelve, people are going to be pretty, uh, pretty uh, unhappy in Austin because I think the the standard here. I'm not saying the standard is uh, twelve and zero by any means, but uh, you know I think they're going they're going to be favored in in pretty much every game this year. You would think, Max, do you have a lot of faith in them to maintain the the week to week 
I'm not going to say grind, but just like show up every week under Sark and, and where their culture is right now and and the the mindset of teams because that's been the issue with Texas is peak Texas when they've played at their best scares you and they have for most of the last decade with a couple exceptions, but there's always the, the Kansas or the Iowa State or the game that, that trips up and you see them at their worst. Do you see reason to believe that that this can't that this Texas team can show up every week? Well, the good news is they have three quarterbacks. Uh, I don't think there's anybody else in the <laughs> conference who feels like they're pretty set one to three. Yeah. Um, so I think, and and obviously, you know, Texas ran into that last year. Um, and you know, if they don't lose Quinn Ewers against Alabama, you can say, oh, maybe they would have beat Alabama with Quinn Ewers, but. They, they certainly may have beat Texas Tech and reached the Big 12 title game if they had not dealt with the Quinn Ewers injury last year. So, mm-hmm. you know, I think that um, having that security, I think, helps a little bit. Um, you know, having the staff stability that Texas has had under Sark here going into year three, I think is pretty impressive. Um, you know, that that's a group that has really stuck together and has been able to build something. You know, and I think there's, there's a couple spots you kind of circle. I think running back, obviously, is a really important one. Um, it, it goes without saying that, you know, B. John Robinson and Roshan Johnson are really hard to replace. I think they've got a very talented room of running backs, and they're they're no one's recruiting better than them. It seems like in, in running back lately with the Shard Choice, but um, there's some of those spots um, that you feel like okay, there's there's a little bit of a question mark, but overall, defensively they've got a lot back. Um, you know they've they've got the the preseason Big Twelve Defensive Player of the Year and Jalen Ford. Um, they've got a bunch of leaders on that group. So you know I, I think that. There's gonna obviously they're they're still going to end up in a bunch of close games, um, just as they did last year, and we'll talk about that plenty with this conference. But um, I think you feel like from a depth standpoint, it's hard not to say they've got everything they need to go make a run now. Yeah, I agree, hundred percent. I, th- I think everything is kind of set up for the Longhorns this year, and I feel like if you don't get it done this year, if you don't at least get to the Big Twelve title game, th- then I think you have to have some questions about the long term future outlook of this program because it's not going to get any easier when they go into the SEC in 2024. Meanwhile, across the Red River, you've got the Sooners who are looking to bounce back from, from a tough year last year, uh, year two for Brent Venables. Uh, I'm curious, David, I'll pose this question to you. Who do you think is under more pressure going into this season, Steve Sarkeesian or Brent Venables? I mean, you got to have – I would definitely say Venables. I think when you're coming off of a year like that where your name is getting mentioned in the same sentence as John Blake – that's not good. That's not, that's not a good place to be. And you had so many things. I mean, when people can't figure out what the true low light of year one was, that's another problem. Like that, that to me, I mean, both, I think the pressure to win at, at Texas and Oklahoma is pretty similar. Um, but I think it feels bigger at Texas because they haven't won it. Oklahoma, they're used to winning, winning big, winning the big 12, getting to playoffs. And so the hunger might not be there in the same way, but you go, Six and seven again. You got some real questions going into the ACC. You go eight and four. You got some questions going in the ACC. In the SEC. So I think it's Venables by a wide, wide margin, especially as a first-time head coach as well. Max, you spent some time up there uh, and wrote about Oklahoma and the way they're trying to address that program. I talked to Joe Castiglione recently when he was in Houston, and he seems to have full confidence. In Venables, what's what's your sense on the confidence level of? Oklahoma being able to take that next step this year. Yeah, I mean they're definitely backing Brent Venables, and and they don't. They I don't think people are necessarily looking at year one as a reflection that this guy can't get the job done. Uh, I think it's probably too early to make that assessment. And and you know when you look at the this Oklahoma program, 
Um, and I wrote about this, you know, recently on the, on the athletic, the thing that's pretty, pretty startling is how much that roster has turned over going into year two at Oklahoma. I mean, for, for Brent Venables, like this staff has signed more than 80 scholarship players in 18 months on the job. They've completely turned this around. Now that doesn't mean that they've got everything they need. That doesn't mean that, that, um, they're hitting on every single transfer they've taken and they've taken more than 30. They've taken a bunch since they got there. Um, and you know, I think it's going to take time. They, they, they really like the freshman class and that takes, that group's going to take some time to develop, but, um, man, this is a, it's a very brand new team compared to what they were looking at in 2021. And I think it just in terms of culturally and, and, um, consistency and all that, I think it's going to take some time for Oklahoma to, to kind of get right under Brent Venables. But I, I agree with David that there's, I think there's way more pressure, uh, on Brent Venables to prove he's the guy that he's got the right staff that he can put all the pieces together here. Um, and, and, and frankly, I'm kind of bullish on Oklahoma having a chance to compete for a big 12 title this year. I don't, I don't think they're that far off. I think there's some ugly stuff from last season, but ultimately, um, if they play better in close games in November last year, they're in the mix. So, um, you know, that's a team that I feel like if they, if they can take the, the, the steps you kind of expect in year two, I'm not expecting like Bob Stoops level year two steps, but I think that, um, ultimately they, I think it's trending in the right direction. And uh, this year is going to be a, a, a big test in terms of just building, um, I think, approval rating for Brent Venables and Steph as they head into, as David said, a much tougher environment. At, at yep. Oklahoma, though, in the portal era, don't don't when you when you try to preach patience, especially as we've seen, you know, I think Kalen DeBoer at Washington is a really good example. Um, you know, there's been a handful of others that just overnight flip a program doesn't that sort of ring hollow if you're like, well, you know, we got to get some time. We got to get this, especially when you can sign as many guys as you can. You need to hit on portal guys. And again, you're Oklahoma. You're going mm-hmm. to be in a league where you have the best, if not the second best, um, you know, roster in the league. It's true. He, he did not take over for a coach who went four and eight. You know what I mean? This mm-hmm. is not like, um, you know, this is not like the kind of, um, you know, rebuilding that we frankly, that we've seen at Texas and in, in a bunch of the coaching changes that they've gone through over the past decade. Um, yeah, Oklahoma should not be a place where you need to flip the roster because they've been recruiting at a top 10, top 15 level for a long time now. Um, and so that to me is pretty, pretty startling that it's changed over that much. Um, and, and, and you're right. Like there, there's the expectations are just kind of different now for a year one. And so is that a reflection more of the talent they had and the lack of depth and competitive depth that they had? Cause I think that was clearly an issue for them, uh, especially, you know, against good big 12 teams last year. And, or how much of that is coaching and scheme. You know, I mean, I think that this is going to be a year that that reveals a lot in terms of do they have the right coach and combination of coaches um, or is this really that the talent did kind of drop off here over the past few years? So before we I move think, on, I think, let's, I think in general it's going to be a rough go for Texas and Oklahoma. Everybody's going to be – it's their Super Bowl for everybody this year. Everybody wants to send them <laughs> to the SEC with a loss. And I think people are underrating that factor because that that dynamic is very real. So before we move on, uh, that leads me, David, into my next question. Uh, Oklahoma's picked third in the conference. Texas picked first in the preseason poll. Each of you, I'll start with you, David. Mm-hmm. Do one, either or both of these teams make the Big 12 title or win the Big 12 title? One. Who I'll take it? Texas to get there. I don't think they win it. All right. And then, Max, you, what do you think? Do one of these teams or both these teams make the Big 12 championship game? Be kind of incredible if they both made it. Uh, <laughs> nobody. What a game! Brett Yormark would maybe call in sick for that trophy <laughs> presentation. Um, I, it would be well attended, 
Um, but I'm not sure the Big 12 <laughs> folks would be thrilled about handing over that trophy on that Saturday. Um, I'm going to go with one. I I, I think uh, I, I, had, I had to just in preparation for this, I had to finally throw together my one one through 14. And I have I have Texas in the top two. Interesting. Let's move on to the continuing eight. Some might call them the irate eight, uh, hateful eight, whatever you want to call them. Uh, there uh, is eight members of this conference that did not leave that are going to continue on. Uh, let's get into what we think about them. Max, I'll start with you. Kansas State, we're, we spent all this time talking about Texas and Oklahoma, but K-State is the reigning champion. Oh, by the way, they do bring back their entire offensive line and they bring back starting quarterback Will Howard. Do you see the Wildcats being able to at least return to the title game or possibly repeat as conference champions. Yeah. As I, as I worked through it, I, I think I'm high on K-State again. <laughs> I think that's what it is for me. Um, you know, I think it's a trust in Chris Kleiman and the, what, what they've been able to, you know, get rolling there in Manhattan. Obviously people are going to look at Kansas State and they're going to think, well, you know, you lost Deuce Vaughn, you lost Felix and Zama. You've lost some, some legit, you know, seniors and leaders off of that big 12 championship team. In this league, it's it's hard to just kind of reload and go right back to a, a conference title game when you have veteran teams like that 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 um, you know really finally kind of put it all together and go win a, a title like that. But I don't know. I like I like Treshawn Ward, the running back from Florida State, and what he is going to you know the, the transfer what he'll give to them in their run game. I think Will Howard is is kind of prime for for a big year here. Um, I think he has a chance to really take a big step. I think the fact that they went Adrian Martinez last year for for the first half of the year is not necessarily a reflection that they don't think Will Howard can be the guy, and and certainly what he did in terms of leading them um, all the way to you know the the Big Twelve title and and to play the New Year's Six Bowl, I think really showed um, that he took a huge step last year under uh, OC Colin Klein, who came back, who turned down the Notre Dame job to to come back for another year. I think because this staff feels like they've got a chance to um, to potentially do it again. I think they've got the right pieces back. And uh, Kansas State is not going to be a fun team to play this year. David, I want to go to you. Uh, let's talk Texas Tech. This you, mm. you lived in the state. You've been around. You've seen some really good Texas Tech teams. You've seen some bad Texas Tech teams. And there's <laughs> a lot of hype about the Red Raiders going into year two under Joy McGuire. I wrote, actually, when we were at Big 12 Media Days about could they possibly be the dark horse in this conference to possibly sneak in the Big 12 title game. I want to know, David, are you buying the Texas Tech hype this offseason? I am mounting that dark horse. Uh, so I think Texas Tech, <laughs> they're my they're my Big 12 champion. I think ultimately, wow. I picked K-State to win it last year, just for the record. So okay. we're on a heater right now. I, I think <laughs> did you? some people... Is there some I proof did. of that somewhere? There that is proof did? of this in print. If I have to produce this, I will produce this. Uh, but I did pick K-State <laughs> to win the Big 12 last year. No, I think there's, there's an element of... I remember reading a profile of Dabo Swinney when he took over at Clemson. And Clemson, obviously, had been pretty modest before he took over. And there was a there was um, a lot of people talking about like just Dabo just like wins wherever he goes like he just has been a winner everywhere that he ended up you know maximizing what is given to him and I kind of feel some of those same vibes with, with Joey McGuire I think you, you pick up on that and 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 the amount of success that he's had and getting to this point and and the success he's had in, in changing the culture and making this a tougher team I'm also a big believer in Zach Kitley and, and Tyler Shuff I think that's a a, a pretty a uh, solid one-two punch there in the toughness on defense. You know, you, you obviously, you know, you bring back Jalen Hutchings and, and Jalen and Tony Bradford Jr. I, I think those guys can rushing the passer has always been premium in this league and, and being tough up front. And then of course you had the transfer and rusty stats, or as I call him, 
total offense uh, <laughs> in, in center. I just love this Texas Tech team, and ultimately, uh, ultimately, you know, it, it's a belief in Joey McGuire and the pieces around him and the toughness there that I think they they get over the hump here and 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 finally do what people have been talking about Texas Tech being able to do um, for for quite some time and, and do it with with balance. Yeah, that's a bold pick. I, I like it. I, I would agree with you on just being high on Texas Tech. And I think one of the biggest reasons you look at the returning talent, returning production, you think mm-hmm. it's pretty good. I feel like even if Tyler Shuck, who's had some really rough injury luck the last couple of years, even if here to, to go down again at some point, Baron Morton, I think, is really talented. And I think he's a guy that they've been high on and, and really has a, some juice to him that can really get that offense going, even if, if Tyler's unavailable for some reason. And then I just look at the coaching staff that McGuire put together as a first time head coach was really impressed. You mentioned Kitley, Tim DeRuiter, veteran defense coordinator has been around quite a bit, has really produced mm-hmm. some good defense to produce some really good edge rushers. You know, we've seen Tyree Wilson, Kayvon Thibodeau, Vaughn Miller. He's, he's coached a lot of really elite pass rushers. And so I'm curious to see who's next in line there, but I, I do think it's moving in the right direction in Lubbock and, and I'm fascinated to see where they go. Um, as far they, they, man, they got playmakers too. Duran Bradley, I think Dre McCray, the transfer from Austin P, is going to have a chance to make an impact. Like they, Taj Brooks at running back, like those guys are going to score a lot of points. I feel like this year, Miles Price so still there too. Miles Price, we're in agreement then. Texas Tech wins the Big Twelve in twenty twenty. No, let's not go that far yet. <laughs> <laughs> uh, let's talk TCU. You know, there's the team that went to the college football playoff last year. This was, of course, they didn't win the conference. They lost in the Big Twelve title game, but. Went thirteen and two, went all the way up to the to title game. Won a, won the Fiesta Bowl to beat Michigan, and they lost a lot. Obviously, this is year two for Sonny Dykes, and there's no Max Duggan, there's no Kendry Miller, there's no Quentin Johnston. There's a lot of guys that have moved on, but there are some guys back from this group. Uh, David, I'll start with you. What do you think about TCU's potential? How much are they going to regress? How big a step back do they take? And are they going to be a factor in this race uh, in November? Yeah, I think Johnson is to me the the biggest loss for them. You know, adding Kendall Bryles obviously a, a controversial pick, but I think one thing that, that people are kind of underrating with that is you know he, some of the shine came off of him a little bit at Arkansas. You know, had some success with KJ Jefferson, but most of the time, you know, in Arkansas, you're struggling most of the time to be in the top ten in total talent in the conference that you're in, and and certainly not in the top half of the talent level that you're in, in the division. Well, TCU is going to be a little bit different. You know, you've got some guys. You're, you're not going to be at a huge talent deficit very often. You know, when they play Texas, I think it'll probably be pretty obvious. Um, you know, Oklahoma maybe. Um, but you got some dudes. You can play, um, you know, if you're TCU. And I think Kendall Bros having to be able to work with that, I think that matters. And, and that offense that we've seen, when the talent level is even or greater, you make some noise. And I think that, to me... Uh, uh, jumps off the page. And of course, you know, Chandler Morris, a guy that, you know, didn't have the 2022 that he had hoped, certainly, um, but a guy that got some talent and and there's a lot of quarterbacks that can have success in this offense. I think he's about to join that, that list of guys. Max, what do you think about TCU in 2023? You know, I think that one thing they deserve some credit for this off season is they have, I think they did a really good job of portaling and of really trying to address all the needs that pop up in terms of all the seniors you've got to replace with veteran players who can play. Um, I, I think adding it, you know, what they did at wide receiver uh, with John Paul Richardson from Oklahoma State, JoJo Earl from from Alabama, pick up Trey Sanders from Alabama, who I think is a really interesting, uh, you know, reclamation project there as a five star 
recruit who's had some bad, really bad injury luck, um, but has a chance to potentially be really good at running back. I think the the offensive pieces that are there, and and Sam, you know, you know well that coaching staff swears that in fall camp last year, Chandler Morris was sweet. Like there's a reason <laughs> why Chandler Morris started the season opener against Colorado. It was not uh, just a, a awful oversight necessarily that uh, that about Max Duggan. I think that they really were impressed by what he was doing. And I think there's real confidence there that Chandler Morris, yes, you go through the, the OC change um, from Garrett Riley to, to Kendall Bryles, but I think they feel really good about what they've got at quarterback. And, you know, it's hard to just like bring in a bunch of new dudes who replace the leadership of that team. And so you've got to have a lot of guys step up. But I think TCU has a chance to play with anybody still. And, and I think that I'm, I'm very interested to see how you take a season like that and really seize on it and recruiting and, and can TCU put together a big year like this, you know, a, a big year, not as big as last year, but a, a good enough year to kind of establish like, can this be one of the dominant programs uh, in this conference after Texas and Oklahoma are gone? Yeah, I think there's, there's some potential there, especially when you, like you said, the way they portaled, I am super intrigued by the offensive coordinator hire. Kendall Bryles obviously had some success. I, I remember when he was down at Houston, him and Derek King did a lot of special things together. I'm curious if he can rekindle some of that with, with Chandler Morris. And then you look at defensively. I thought Joe Gillespie did a great job last year. I thought they, they have a decent amount of pieces coming back there. They got yep. some linebackers back, some guys in the secondary back, Demonic Williams, the nose tackles back. Uh, who, who really starred as a true freshman. So I think they got some pieces. I think they're going to be interesting. I just don't really know where to peg them exactly. But mm-hmm. but I do think they're going to be a good team. And I do, do think they have a solid foundation for the future. But let's talk uh, Let's talk Kansas. Uh, this is a team that was a little bit of the darling of the country in the first half of the season. And then Jalen Daniels goes down. Uh, do we think they're a legit factor in the conference in year two under Lance Leipold? Max, I'll start with you. When we were, we were prepping for this podcast, I think one of the things we're going to hit here is who's who's the surprise team in the Big 12 this year. I think to me it might be Kansas again. Honestly, I think Kansas is – I don't think that was just like a little bit of a flash in the pan of they had um, you know some good breaks early or an easy non-conference schedule and then all of a sudden they start hot and and then um, you know slide hard and all that kind of stuff. Like I think Kansas really – really has got some players. Um, and I think I think if they can keep Jalen Daniels healthy, uh, Jason Bean was able to do some good things last year, but if they keep Jalen Daniels healthy and protected, um, and they, you know, they they kept, you know, they they have Annie Colnicki coming back. I think he does a terrific job as a play caller on offense. You've got Devin Neal, one of the best backs in the conference. I feel like Kansas has a chance to take another step forward this year. I'm not saying that's 10 wins, but I, I think Kansas has a shot. They've got to improve on defense. They were they were pretty brutal at times last year on defense and the losing streak they had in, in big 12 plays, you know, kind of showed that. Um, but I feel like, I feel like they're actually building something real there. That's not just like a one year. Oh man, we got some good breaks. Like I think Kansas has a chance to be even more competitive this year. If you can score, you got some, if you can do some really, really good things on at least one side of the ball, you, you scare some people. I think Kansas will be able to put some points on the board again this year. That offense is, is I feel like it's a headache to prepare for if you're a defensive coordinator. Sure. I mean, you feel like well, you got to figure out where one, the ball's what, going. Like eight national titles or whatever it was. <laughs> I feel like the scheme. We we feel good about the scheme. <laughs> yeah, no, it, it, they're a lot of fun to watch, and and I'm super high on Jalen Daniels. I think he, he was a fun guy to watch last year, and if he could stay healthy all year, I think that there's a lot of potential for the Jayhawks this year. What about the rest of this group? We got Baylor, Oklahoma State, Iowa State, West Virginia. Of that group that we haven't mentioned, who do you guys feel the best about going into the season? David, I'll start with you. Give me Baylor. I think, again, 
you know, you got to love uh, what they bring back and, and, and Dave Aranda being able to continue that. I think ultimately, you know, Baylor jumps off the page to me as a team that just, they're always a headache for teams, and I think that's going to continue. Max, what do you think of that so, group? Baylor, so, Oklahoma State, Iowa State, West Virginia, who do you like? Explain Baylor to me, Sam. Like, I, I think Baylor's the one I had the toughest time figuring out where to slot them in the rankings. I think you sort of expect improvement, but this is, you know, we're now fully into the Dave Aranda tenure here, right? These are his players. Um, you know, you've you've got a multi-year starter quarterback now in Blake Shapin. Like, do you, are you buying Baylor or are you kind of like, you? F- they feel like more of a six and six kind of team to you? I think they're more of an eight and four team. That's the vibe I get. I think I think they're going to be better than they were last year, but I don't know that I'm ready to say they're going to be playing for a Big Twelve title in in December. So I think Blake Shapen. I think the book's still out on him, or the jury's still out on him at this point. Mm-hmm. Uh, they obviously brought in competition. So Robertson, who, when I saw him in spring, I thought he was really talented. So I, I think they're actually okay at quarterback. I do like that. They outfitted the offense with some more experience, bringing in Keytron Jackson, bringing in Dominic Richardson. They already, I think had a pretty deep running back room, yeah. but, but Barrington but, brothers but, up front from BYU is yeah. a big addition. Yeah, they got those guys. And then, uh, but I'm curious because you've got a, a, a team that in year one, you feel like it's a wash because of the circumstances of the pandemic and it was really tough. Year two, everything goes right. They win the Big 12. And then year three, so much goes wrong and you end up six and seven. You lose four in a row at the end of the year. I just, I think this is such a big year for Dave Aranda to show us what is this program under Dave Aranda really? Is it closer to the 2021 group that we saw or is it closer to what we saw last year? And I, I don't even know that he knows because I think he's still learning, adapting. You hear him talk. I think he's still evolving into what he is as a head coach. And so I, I, if I had to peg him for anything, like I said, I'd peg him for about an eight-win team, maybe nine if things break right. But they've got an early season game that's going to be tough in week two. They host Utah, and I think that's going to tell us a lot about that group. Let's see. What about uh, West Virginia, Iowa State? Uh, I know West Virginia, I think they were picked pretty low in the poll. Uh, the lowest. I, I think they were 14, were they? Is that right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, and so the, no, Brian, and then, he was pretty pissed. And, I think he's pretty clear about that. He did. Yeah, they didn't like that. Yeah, and Iowa State, obviously, they finished last last year, but had one of the better defenses in the country. Do either of those teams have a shot to bounce back here? I mean, obviously, hot seat year at West Virginia. Um, the, the the pressure there is obvious. I, and they, they West Virginia just schedules these such difficult schedules. I, I don't know why. why. Why play 11 Power 5 games? I don't get that, but that's... Uh, <laughs> I would have a lot of beef with that. If the I SEC teams that. are laughing at West Virginia. That's right. This. That's right. <laughs> to yeah, be they fair, Penn State may only win 10 or 11 games this year. It's not like they're going to win the whole thing. So we'll be all right. Well, you know, okay. Yeah, that's that's true. <laughs> well, that We can give them a pass on that one. But no, I mean, I think West Virginia, you expect them to be better. Um, I think Neil Brown would admit, um, you know, they made some mistakes offensively. You know, now I think he's going to have way more of a hand in that offense again in terms of what they're doing. Um, you know, I think they really feel like Garrett Green has some potential there at quarterback. They feel like they need a dual threat guy and that JT Daniels, as experienced as he was, just didn't really kind of quite fit where they needed to go offensively. Um, you know, that's another another staff that has had to go very heavy in the portal because they've lost some good players to the portal the past few years. And so if those free agent pickups can like hit, you feel like this is a team that has a chance to, you know, be a bowl team and be competitive. Um, but this is a it's a big pressure year at West Virginia. You know, I think Iowa State is the team last year that like started hot, beat Iowa. They went 
one and six in one score games last year. Um, and I think that that some of that's bad luck. Some of that's just, they weren't good enough. And I think this year's team is going to be pretty young. I, I think that's going to be the key with Iowa state. They absolutely love the freshman class they've got. I'm very curious to see how early we're going to see, you know, JJ Cole and, and, you know, uh, a lot of these freshmen that they've signed um, that they feel like have a chance to really be pretty special players. So I think it's going to be a pretty young team. That's probably going to, uh, um, you know, probably have some struggles just due to that. Um, and, and, you know, I think there's still, we'll, we'll see kind of how the gambling stuff plays out here um, in terms of who, who they're missing. But um, I think Iowa State will be better, um, but they're building towards hopefully being a lot better. I think next year. I see a lot more upside with Iowa State. I'm, I'm with Max and this. I, I think it, it, it gets tough when all the conversation, you know, is about, well, you know, Neil Brown's not getting it done. You, you deal with that over an off season. You can say, well, we're just it wears on a program. It wears on a program. Wears on the players. And you know, Iowa State for all of the the steps back that Matt Campbell has taken in recent years, still don't have to deal with that. And like Max said, that young core, I think there, there's some real potential for Iowa State to do uh, some bigger things this year and and learn from the mistakes that that they made in, in last year and and build off of that. So I like Iowa State to do a little bit more this year. I don't know that they're going to contend for a title or contend for double digit wins, but I think I certainly see them in a bowl game. Yeah, in Oklahoma State, we didn't hit. I mean, I think Alan Bowman might be the ultimate wild card in the Big 12 this year, just because, I mean, what mm-hmm. can you expect um, from him? Still after in the spent, league. Still in the league. He's back. <laughs> Lungs um, still working. We're good. <laughs> <laughs> you know, two years on the bench at Michigan behind some pretty good quarterbacks and, and, and you know, playing in a, a program that was, you know, hitting the playoff and winning Big Ten titles. He comes back, I think, at a, at a good time for Oklahoma State when they want to transition and maybe be a little bit more like Michigan offensively mm-hmm. and, and be a little bit more power, establish more of a run game. Um, I, I think I'm interested to see how different they look offensively with Alan Bowman. Um, I think they did a pretty good job of replacing what they lost this offseason. They, they got some pretty underrated players out of the transfer portal. And the big question mark, too, is, is Brian Nardo, the new D.C. who comes from the D2 ranks who's coming in to install basically an, a, a duplicate of the Iowa State defense. Um, I think they've got some pretty good pieces on defense. I think that I think they can play that that style um, of the odd front um, and, and, and the, all the all the safeties and just that confusion that that defense creates. But uh, how quickly does that click uh, for, for a, a crew that is, you know, and now had three DCs in three years? I'm interested to see how quickly they figure it out. But I don't think Oklahoma state's expecting, you know, this is the hard thing at the big 12 this year, before we get to the, the four new ones of, of the returning teams. Does anybody think they're going to be like worse than seven and five this year or six and six? Like, I think that's, what's kind of hard to pick with these standings is I think everybody's pretty optimistic, not just mm-hmm. because we're in the off season. I think just on paper, all these teams feel like they're going to be better and have a chance to win seven, eight, nine, ten 10 games. Mike Gundy yeah. going back to the Google well find the coordinator. <laughs> I love Google his ability to find and Mike off Gundy. the radar guys. <laughs> Google right. and Mike Gundy will team up and and who knows what can happen. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Well, last one quick. Let's let's talk about the new teams. Four new schools, BYU, Cincinnati, Houston, UCF. Who among those do you think is best possession for immediate success? Matt, uh, Max, UCF. I'll start with you. Go or ahead. David, sorry, I think go, it's for, UCF. go for it. Yeah, I, yeah. I do think it's UCF. Um, and I think that that's, that's a team. By the way, guys, so I was looking at, um, I, I picked up my copy of, of Phil Steele over the weekend, a little late on that. 
but I, I got it at my Barnes and Noble. And um, <laughs> he's got a page in there on returning experience, I think is always really like pretty interesting and instructive to look at. Um, you know, as much as that's hard to track nowadays. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and if you look at last year's magazine, TCU was number one in the big 12 and ninth nationally in, in returning experience, which we probably should have like paid a little bit more attention to that. That was probably a useful nugget. Um, Baylor and Iowa state were pretty low on that list last year and they had tough years this year. The number one team in the country in returning experience is Kansas worth noting. And then wow. t- UCF was in the top 10. I mean, UCF actually, uh, I think probably for the the average Big 12 fan, they probably didn't watch a lot of UCF last year. They probably don't know a lot about maybe how Gus Malzahn and his staff have, have, have built up this this program since they've taken it over. I think that they, they you know, I think they're they're going to be a problem. I think I think that I'm not saying, you know, reach a Big 12 title game in year one, but I think there's enough pieces back here in a pretty good quarterback. I think a good offensive scheme. I think, again, there's another program that has done a pretty nice job of roster building so far. It's going to take more time. You've seen there's already been an impact on their high school recruiting from Big 12 status. I think they've done a good, pretty good job in the portal of, of reloading. I think T, uh, UCF is the one of, of these four that has a chance to be uh, feisty this year. Max, you hit on my five favorite syllables in college football. Continuity, my guy. And <laughs> Gus Malzahn and John Rice Plumley, like a perfect marriage. A perfect marriage. Uh, I, I really like UCF in the immediate future. Like I said, I, I don't know that I buy them getting to uh, getting to Arlington, but I think a team that, that earns a lot of respect. I don't think that there is, you know, nationally, there's sort of an eye roll when UCF comes up in a lot of places, uh, especially in SEC country. I don't think, and correct me if I'm wrong, I don't think there's quite that level in the Big 12. I think they come in not where everybody's like, oh, these guys again. I, I think they, they, they have some respect, but I think they can earn some more on the field. I think they will this fall. David, who do you think has the best long-term outlook of these four newbie, newbies? Oh, man. Sam, you're going to have to help me out with Houston because how much of the commuter school is a real thing and how much can they lean on, okay, the guys in Texas who maybe aren't good enough to get to the SEC, can you make a living there? Or is that like – what keeps Houston from recruiting better than they do? Because I want to say Houston – but I'm also like you look at the history of how these things play out, and I'm like I I, I don't know that I, I don't know that I buy this. I, I, UCF is the one that I think I lean to, but Houston has so many natural um, advantages that they don't seem to use. Yeah, I, I'll, I'll say this: the the last couple of cycles that the way they've recruited has been encouraging to me. They, they've started to land in some four star guys. They're starting to beat out in state power five programs for guys. A little bit at a little bit higher clip, uh, and granted, that there was something they rarely did. Now they're actually starting to do it from time to time. So I think that gives you some confidence in Houston's ability. I do think the commuter part of it, I think, is we've we're kind of moved on past that. I think they've evolved into more of uh, a more of a traditional program in that way, and, and they, they've got a lot of on campus housing and all that. But I think the way they portal. The way they evaluate, and like you said, get just getting the guys that don't go SEC. If you're able mm-hmm. to get enough of those guys, and then you're able to portal the rest for some depth and and fill some gaps, I think there's potential there. I think I think this program, and, and I think this is going to be a big year for Dana Holgerson because uh, I think this program does have potential to be a serious factor in this conference. It, there, one thing that Houston has always had going back to its Southwest Conference days is they've always had want to. 
they really want to win. And so they've they've been spinning like crazy on facilities. They've been trying to do whatever they can in terms of player acquisition to get in the Big 12. And, and I think now you're going to start to see it possibly pay off. I do think this first year is going to be tough on them because I just don't think the roster is there yet. But long term, I do I am high on their potential in this conference. Does Sam, Ed Oliver he, have any cousins or siblings or kids? <laughs> <laughs> he played. His brother played there. His older brother played there. His I don't know if anyone just got there. Yep. Do you do you think Sam? When you think back to the recent high of of Houston, you know, back in 2015 when they go 13 and one, and obviously that kind of kickstarts the like, okay, Tom Herman's probably on his way out of here and stuff. Like, do you think that if Houston gets to that kind of a high? And under Dan Holgerson or anyone else, like, is that a place where they can hold on to the coach and kind of be able to sustain it? Because that's that's been kind of the challenge when you're at a G5 level, I feel like, is when you get really hot, then everybody kind of comes for your coach and then you're starting over again. Like, do you think that if Houston were to get good in the Big 12, they could kind of hold on to it more, maybe a little bit more easily than they could in the past? The, the Big 12 membership gives them a better shot at it, for sure. And, and I think when you have Tillman Fertitta in the back pocket and he, if he he wants to win really badly and he was willing to pay whatever it took to keep Tom Herman but that that was just not realistic because Tom wanted the Texas job and and there was just no way he was going to stay at Houston as long as they were the American so with with that ace in the hole I think you have a shot but you're still there's still if the Alabamas come calling if the Ohio States come calling if the Oklahomas or even the Texas come calling I think it it's still going to be difficult to keep a guy, and I think that goes for any program that's in the middle tier Power Five level. I, I don't think that's yeah. exclusive to Houston. the The key is just get A and M and Texas and Oklahoma to just keep winning and not fire their coach. <laughs> <laughs> that would help a lot. I feel that like. Would help. Well, I think that's guys. That's honestly that's true of all four of, of these new schools too. It's just going to take it's going to take continuity, like David said. I mean, we yeah. would be talking about, frankly, we'd be talking about Cincinnati different right now if Luke Fickle were. We're still in charge, and they were still kind of building off of of that uh, that playoff run they had recently. You know, I think that is just a, a hard reset that they hit going into twenty three with Scott Satterfield. They lost a lot off that roster. It, it's a real, you know, it's it's a real rebuild at, at the moment. I'm not saying they're going to be awful, but um, it it it's going to take that continuity. Whether it's um, you know, any you know, Kalani Sataki, Gus Malzahn, Dana Holgerson, any of these coaches at these schools, if they're going to be able to build something, it's going to take that coach being in the same spot for five years. I think. Yeah, no doubt, no doubt. Well, let's uh, let's go through all these teams and let's make a few predictions. Let's go over under win totals. We got all the over unders here uh, listed for each team. We'll start with Houston. Max over under four and a half wins for the Cougs this year. You want to just do rapid fire here? Let's rapid fire. Make it, let's do it quick. Right. Houston under. I'm gonna go David, over. Over. I'm gonna go slightly over. I'm gonna say five. Okay. Let's go West Virginia. David, what do you think? Over or under four and a half wins for West Virginia. Under by a ways. <laughs> <laughs> hey, look, as we saw with Iowa State last year, like somebody's got to lose these games, right? If they're That's all right. pretty good. West the Virginia will volunteer as tribute. <laughs> I'm going to go over, over on under West four and a half West Virginia. I'm going to go over. Under? Over. Okay, so you're going over on the Mountaineers. All right. I'm, I'm going to go under on West Virginia. Cincinnati, five and a half. Over under, Max, on Cincinnati. Under. Under. Mac, David, uh, what do you say? Uh, under by a while. Not not a Scott Satterfield believer. <laughs> uh, I'm definitely believing when I see it. I'll say under on Cincinnati. Uh, Kansas, five and a half. Over under, David, on Kansas. Over. Big time over. We might hit seven, eight here, maybe. Uh, how about you, Max? Over. 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 I'm taking over on the Jayhawks for sure. 
Iowa State, this is a fascinating one. Five and a half for Iowa State. Are they going bowling this year or are they not? Max, what do you think? I'm gonna say under on this one. I think it, I think the number's probably right. Like that's it's a tough mm-hmm. call. Tentative under. Uh Iowa State fans, don't yell at me if you get six wins. <laughs> <laughs> Wouldn't be surprised uh, if they didn't. I'm yeah. gonna I'm gonna say over. I think uh I'm a believer in in Campbell and John Haycock. So I'm going to say, I'm going to say over on Iowa state. Uh, If they they go over, it's because it's because of Haycock. Yeah. Uh, BYU five and a half over under David. What do you think on the, on the BYU Cougs? I'm going to go barely over. I just, I'm a big believer in Kalani Sataki. And I think uh, BYU as big 12 fans will find out. Texas fans know tough (laughs) place to play. And they are going to be fired up. Listen, Provo is no joke out there. Uh, So I'm going to go over barely. There's a real possibility, as you guys know from watching a lot of BYU football, that these Big 12 teams are going to line up on these guys and be like, wait, all these guys are 23. What is going on? That's a real thing, too. It's a thing. (laughs) It's a thing that people can't totally anticipate, you know? Um, And they've got some players. I'm going to go. I'm going to go reluctant under on BYU, but I think I'm just overall kind of lumping some of these new schools down towards the bottom, just thinking that there's going to be um, a little bit of an adjustment this year as they get used to this schedule. Although BYU has, has put together tough schedules all the time. I don't think they're going to be quite as thrown off as, as the others um, week to week here. BYU yeah. might have the longest stretch of any team in the country avoiding being called soft. So <laughs> <laughs> I'll go slightly under on BYU Baylor six and a half max over under six and a half for the Baylor Bears. Over, but I don't feel very good about it. I, I already said know. I thought they were going to win eight games, so I'm going over. David, what do you I'm going did? over, and I feel better than Max about it. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> o- Oklahoma State, six and a half. Alan Bowman and the crew. What do you think about the Pokes, Dave? Under by a very safe margin. Max, what do you think of over under six and a half? I'm going to go. I'm going to go under. I think there's still a bowl team, but I think I'm going to go under. The only one we can push, UCF, seven, over, under, or push, David, on the UCF. This is a tough one. I think that's a really good number. I'm going to go tentative over. I'm going to say uh, seven and a half. They win seven games and push somebody to overtime. <laughs> <laughs> Max, what do you think of the Knights? <laughs> I actually wrote, I, for, I just, I wrote, I wrote split next to this because i just i didn't i'm gonna go i'm gonna go push on this it's a good number it's a good number and you can really you can really talk yourself on the over i'm gonna go push mm-hmm. i'm gonna i'm gonna bail and say push also that's just okay. the easy way out might as well uh k-state <laughs> over under seven and a half i feel like this is low for k-state yeah. Max, what do you think over k-state lives in being underrated uh i yeah. don't know that k-state goes to goes to arlington but k-state i, I like them a lot colin klein Play caller extraordinaire overnight, it seems, over. Uh, Texas Tech. Uh, I already know your answer on this, Dave. You're over on <laughs> Texas Tech seven and a half, right? Well, technically, they could win the Big 12 and only win seven games, right? What's the math on that? Uh, <laughs> Are we harkening back to the 1994 five-way champions? This is the thing that's absolutely guaranteed to happen in the Big 12 this year is there's going to be like a bunch of teams tied with three conference losses and everyone's mm-hmm. going to be upset because somebody's schedule was way easier than the others because we don't have round robin this year. And <laughs> yeah, that's going to end up right. being a factor Where down can the we road get here Texas Tech, because there's going to uh, be a bunch of teams tied. Can we get Texas Tech eight and a half? I take the over on that. Yeah, it's uh, seven and a half, I guess, for you, David. It's easy money. What do you think, Max? Seven and a half over under <laughs> and 10? I, I'm, 
I'm over. What's our, like, is, do we have a stone cold lead pipe lock of these? Like, is, is it, it K state <laughs> or is it Texas tech? It's tech, baby. It's tech. Yeah. I'm going over on Texas tech seven and a half TCU over under seven and a half. What do you think, Max? I, I trust them enough that I'm going to go over on this, but I kind of wouldn't, I don't know how surprised I'd be either way. I feel terrible about it. I'm going to go under. I feel like the luck runs out a little bit this year. You know, that was not, uh, you know, an 11 win team necessarily last year. Um, So, you know, some of those one score games maybe go the other way on you. You lose a lot. And my apologies to Johnny Hodges, my guy. But uh, (laughs) I'm going to say under and I feel really bad about it. And I hope I regret it. But I think under. Yeah, I'll, I'll go over. I'll go eight on TCU. I think they'll get to eight. Oklahoma, nine and a half. What do you think about the Sooners, David? Over, under, nine and a half wins for the Sooners. Under. Uh, I need to see more. I don't see enough reason to believe. I don't see enough reason to believe that it's going to be that much of an improvement. Uh, At the end of the day, you're playing a bunch of teams that can beat you. So, under. Max, what do you think? You said nine and a half. Nine and a half. That's pretty high. I know, right? It should be eight and a half. Should it not? Eight and a half would have made me think. Nine and a half, I didn't think. I'm going to go... I'm going to go over, but I think the number's too high. Well, then what yeah. are you going over? What is this, Max? <laughs> what are we doing? <laughs> I don't feel Max, good do about you know it, how, but Max, I am going over. Do you over. know how this works? Do we have to, do we have to redo all of Max's picks? <laughs> I, look, I'm not trying to get caught up in any gambling probes, okay? I'm just trying to <laughs> trying to mind my business over here. No, I, I, th- I like the over. I actually think Oklahoma like can definitely I, – I think Oklahoma, I'm probably too high on them. Or too optimistic. I think they can be like a top three team in the Big 12 this year. Yeah. I, I'm going to go under on nine and a half. And Texas, lastly, over under nine and a half, Max. <laughs> that's, a, that's a pregnant pause. <laughs> do the, should I do that louder into the mic? <sighs> I'm going to, I think I'm going to go under here. Okay. Interesting. What do you guys uh, think? Are you, are, is I'm, that, a, is this an easy over. pick for you? I think, Texas be- I think Texas beats Alabama and loses two stupid games. Loses like K State. Like, just I think that's 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 where Texas is. I think they're so fired up about last year's game. They were the better team in that game. I think they'll be the better team again in Tuscaloosa this year. I'm very low on Alabama. I think it gets people to perk up, and uh, that's it. <laughs> so you're feel, over. They feel under, like they could David. be like a ten and four. I'm, kind I'm of over. Team to me this I'm year. Over, in over in the most hilarious way possible. Okay. Okay. Interesting. Interesting. I'm going Alabama. Lose sure. to K State. Lose to like Iowa State. <laughs> <laughs> I think they're ten and two, and when they and they go to the Big Twelve Championship game. So let's get to the last part here before we get out superlatives. Let's go breakout team. I guess David, I already know your breakout team. It must be Texas. No, Tech. I couldn't go double up. So my breakout okay. team, I went with. I went with UCF here. Okay, hmm. UCF. What do you think, Max? Who's your breakout team in the Big 12? Yeah, I had Kansas. I have Kansas. I have Kansas. Kansas like, is a good pick. I think Kansas, um, when I was working through it, I think they could like have a top six finish this year. I don't think that's I mean, crazy. It's possible they could like host game day if things break the right way. You know, I know that mm-hmm. that seems hard to believe. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I'll uh, I'll go with Texas Tech. I, I, I do think. I, don't, I think they'll get to the Big 12 championship game. I don't think they'll win it. Uh, but but I, do I think, think I think we there. can agree a Texas Kansas Big 12 title game would be unbelievable. <laughs> <laughs> that would be that given would be the history incredible. of the rivalry in the basketball tournament or football. Uh, are we, what are we talking about? Here? We're talking about football. <laughs> Texas. These some of these Texas players. They they're going to want revenge. They've got some tough memories. <laughs> oh, All right, man. player of the year. Who's your player of the year in the Big Twelve, Max? 
I think because I ended up talking myself into K-State, I got to say Will Howard for this. Nice. I'm going to go with the the guy that makes me say wow the most often, Xavier Worthy. All right, Xavier Worthy. creative. Uh, I'm going to, if Texas gets to the Big 12 title game, which I think they will, I'm going to say it's Quinn Ewers. So I'm going to go with Quinn. I think he's going to break out this year. You don't think it's Malik Murphy? You don't think it's Arch Manning? (laughs) <laughs> no it's got to be it's got to be quinn i think it's got to be quinn uh okay. coach of the year who's the coach of the year in the conference david joey mcguire <laughs> <laughs> max what do you think um i'm gonna say mcguire's a good pick that, that's a good pick i'll, I'll say climbing but I, I i like the uh i could see people rewarding a you know tech if they have a big year or or maybe one of like like if a Kansas or a UCF, um, you know, really pops up, I could see one of those guys winning. Would people vote for climbing again if they didn't win the Big Twelve again? Mm, good question. I don't know. I'm gonna say I'm gonna say if I'm uh, now that I'm I'm on the tip of picking Texas to get the Big Twelve title game, I'm gonna pick Sark. So I'm gonna say he finally Sam's gets all in on Sark. I'm all in on Sark. <laughs> now. Uh, and is lastly, there any, any space left on the bandwagon there, buddy? I know, right? Uh, lastly, who is the conference champion this year? Max, who's the Big 12 champ this year? <laughs> I'm going I'm going K-State. We got the thin. I can't get the full guns up. This is like <laughs> half. I'm, I look like I'm voting for Miami for the Big 12 champion. <laughs> He's pulling for the Utes here. This is not a turnover chain. This is my guns being up, but very close together. Yeah. Uh, Texas so Tech. Big Texas 12 Tech champ. for Ubbin. K-State for Max. I'm taking the Longhorns. I think they do it. Uh, and lastly, will the Big 12 send a team to the college football playoff this year, David? You think the committee is going to let Texas Tech in the playoff? Absolutely not. No, <laughs> not happening. I think the Big 12 champions got two got two losses. Uh, listen, it took TCU basically moving heaven and earth to get them to let them in. So, no, uh, I don't think it's going to happen. But uh, Texas Tech wins it and uh, has two losses at the end of the day. Max, who's the champ? I mean, who's going to the, is a team going to the playoff out of the Big? 12? I mean, if you, I mean, dude, if you told me last year the Big Twelve in the Big Twelve title game, the 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 best team would uh, would lose and still make the playoff, I would have said there's yeah. no freaking way. What so, were the Vegas odds on that? Yeah, That's the Vegas odds question. were pretty pretty low on that. I'm gonna say no no playoff team this year, but I was I was wrong about that last year for sure. I'm gonna say no. I think it's it's so hard to get through this conference unscathed. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's it's so hard to go undefeated in the league and. Uh, even though TCU got in with a loss last year, uh, I think it took a very special confluence of circumstances to get them not there. The so I'm the no. of, not to channel the spirit of Ari, but Texas is the only team I could see doing it. Yeah. No. Well, well, that's uh, that's going to do it for us. Thank you all for tuning in to Until Saturday. Be sure you're following the podcast on Apple or wherever you listen to podcasts so you'll be notified when new episodes are up. We always appreciate a five-star review. So if you would, subscribe to Until Saturday on YouTube. You'll be updated when new videos publish. And we also will go live on every Saturday throughout the season. For David Ubbin, for Max Olson, I'm Sam Kahn. Thank you for listening. And Saturday cannot come soon enough. Talk to you soon. <laughs>